What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. How amazing to consider the Lord Jesus on the cross with no clothes, he had no covering so that we might never be in that state. He was in that state so that we might never be in that state. And we might be able to say, like the prophet Isaiah did in Isaiah 61.10, Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. That is so great, that's so wonderful for us that we can say, he clothed me. You know, just like Adam, after the fall, it says so wonderfully in Genesis 3.21, Genesis 3.21, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin, and beautiful words, three last words in that verse, and clothe them. God clothed them. We can imagine that they've sinned and, and Jehovah Jesus steps in and he says, no, no, he says, we can't have you like that. He, he makes the clothes of skin and he clothes them. You know, he didn't tell some angels. He says, you know, they look terrible down there. You know, somebody go make them some, some clothes and cover them already. But no, that wasn't what it was. The amazing thing was that Adam and Eve watched God make the skins for them and then Watch God come and put the skins on them. And that's why Isaiah says in Isaiah 61.10, he is so joyful in the Lord because he is it. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. And we can just imagine that the Lord Jesus, uh, Jehovah Jesus, is there covering Adam and Eve. And he's thinking to himself, yes, I'm covering you, and I will cover you and your descendants. And it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me dearly, because one day I'm going to be on a cross, cross with no clothing, so that you and your descendants will have clothing. And we can imagine the Lord's thinking to himself as he's clothing them, yes, it's me, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says, for he hath made him to be sin or a sin offering 
for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the, the righteousness of God in him. So on the cross, he has his, his coat, his robe taken from him. It's gambled for by the soldiers below. He's uncovered, and he's doing all this so that we can have a covering of righteousness. When the prodigal son came back in repentance to his father, it's interesting to see the first thing that his father does in Luke 15, 20. Luke 15, 20, it says, he rose and he came to his father, but when he's a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, ran, fell on his neck, kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. So the father of the prodigal son looks on the son and he sees the horrible clothes he's got on, he's wearing, and he says, no, what he's got on is terrible looking. Take it off and put the best robe on him. And can't you imagine how, how, how the, the prodigal son is there and he, he's, he's looking at this robe and he says, he says, boy, compared to the way I look when I came back. And, and this is what, when John was in heaven, in Revelation 7.13, Revelation 7.13, one of the elders came pointing out the saints and he asked John a question in Revelation 7.13. Who are these which are arrayed in white robes? It's so striking the way, compared to the way that the prodigal son arrived home and compared to this is, the, this is what Israel will come to see. This is what the Jewish people will come to see when they finally look at themselves like the prodigal son did in Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6, they look at themselves, Israel does, the Jewish people, and they say, we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there's coming a day when Israel will look at themselves and, and they'll say, I stink. I'm not just a sinner, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And all I thought were righteousnesses, those are terrible, filthy rags. And this is what happened was anybody is saved. They see themselves not just as a sinner, as a dirty, rotten sinner. And this is what's going to happen to, to Israel when they get right in line with Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, verse 5, Isaiah 6, verse 5, when Isaiah said, Then said I, Woe is me! For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. That's the key. When Isaiah got close to God, he saw his sinfulness. When a person gets close to God, he sees his sinfulness. The other day, I was morning, I was driving into the chapel in the parking lot there. And there was another guy, and he was, he, was, he was driving out the little road there, and he was getting ready to turn on Mission Gorge Road as I was coming in and going to the chapel parking lot. And so our cars came right next to each other. I rolled my car on my window down, and I said to him, I said, hey, you need to be in church. <laughs> he said, oh, no, <laughs> and drove off, you know. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? Because the closer a person gets to God, the more horrible they feel for their sinfulness. But Job says, I've heard about you with the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes see you, and I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. 
Peter, when he was close to the Lord, he said, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. And this is what happens. And so uh, when Israel comes to their conversion point, when the Jewish people come to the conversion point, they are going to repeat the words of Isaiah 53, 6. Personally, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us, Saul. They're going to get in line with the we. While we like sheep have gone astray. They're going to say, it's not just he did it. He, he told the lie. It's going to be, we have turned everyone to his own way. You know what that means? That means, for example, if, if someone says, we have turned everyone to his own way. So a person comes to God and says, I'm a sinner. What do you mean? Well, I have sinned. What'd you do? Oh, yeah. So what you, and, and that's the point where the conversion takes place. I'm a sinner because I did this. I am sinned because I did this. This is what's going to happen. Just think of David, you know, the, the greatest of the great in Israel. He's the King David, the great King David. And the King David says in Psalm 51, 5, Psalm 51, 5, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. That's a great king who's saying that. You know, I remember one time when we just had moved into Cotty from our place we were leasing to the place that, you know, where we owned it. It was across town, and we, you know, there was a lot of trucks and got everything all moved over, and it was a great day, and, and the assemblers were all together. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to address the assemblers in the Spanish that I don't know. No, so that's why Diana translated for me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm, you know, standing down here, and they're here, you know, and I'm, I tell them my testimony, you know, and, and then uh, usually after I, I, I address the people, they all clap, you know, and, and so nobody clapped. So I thought, ooh, what did I say, you know? So I, I turned over to Deanna, and I said, did I say something wrong? And she says, you're just used to hearing a president say he's a sinner. I, they're just not used to hearing King David say, I'm a sinner. But this is the entrance to God. Those are the words where when they're heard, God says, I can help you. I can help you. But if, unless when a person says, I'm good, there's nothing wrong with me, God says, I can't help you. I can't help you. Sorry. And, but this is when, but these beautiful clothes of salvation, these beautiful clothes of the robe of righteousness, they're there for anyone to take because he has, he has, he, he suffered on the cross with no clothes so that we could be clothed. And this is the call that's going to come out to Israel when, he, when, he, when God calls to Israel and he's going to say, wake up, wake up in Isaiah 52.1, Isaiah 52.1, awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For, for henceforth there shall be no more come unto thee, the uncircumcised and the unclean. Put on thy beautiful garments. Just like us, the call is put on thy beautiful garments. The call is Romans 13, 14. Romans 13, 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.27, Galatians 3.27, as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Those are the beautiful garments. It's the righteousness of Christ. 
Now, also, we saw that, that the Lord, he, he said in verse 14, I am poured out like water, poured out like water. There's such a finality to that, being poured out like water. When you read 2 Samuel 14, 14, 2 Samuel 14, 14, you read about this, and it says, very depressing at the beginning. It says, for we must needs die. It's very depressing and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any persons. Thank God it doesn't end there. But it starts off with, we must needs die, and we're like water that's spilt on the ground, and you can't gather it back up again. It's like, you know, my, my, I have two friends, two friends, this is two lost friends this last week, who both of them said to me, I don't know how many days I've got left to live. Very depressing. And this is what 2 Samuel 14, 14 is saying. We must needs die, and we are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. You know, one of them said, every one of us is going to die. Like, that's a big revelation. And there's no, no respect to persons with God. That, that's really depressing. In other words, nobody can God, come to God and say, oh, God, not me, not me, please. I'm different. I'm special. I don't want to die. I don't want to lose my life. You know, no one can say that because you said there's no respect to persons. We must all needs die. And that's very depressing. But wonder of wonders, in that verse of 2 Samuel 14, 14, there is the word yet. 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 It's wonderful. And it says that yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. God has devised a way. God has devised a process or procedure. God has devised a, a means, as he calls it. He made a way. He made a way for, so that his banished would not be expelled from him. It's just like the hymn, love found a way. God found a way. Wonderful love that rescued me, sunk deep in sin, guilty and vile as I could be, no hope within. When every ray of light had fled, O oh, glorious day, raising my soul from out the dead, love found a way. Love found a way. Yes, praise God. Let's clap to God because he found a way. Thank God. Love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Savior, my Lord, to die on the cross of shame. Love found a way. Praise his holy name. That's what 2 Samuel 14, 14 is saying. Yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. What's the means? What are the means? What is the means? The means is the cross. The means is that God found to redeem man's soul, to make him whole, is the specifics of what Psalm 22 is all about. That's it. And the means, what does it do? So what does it accomplish? It accomplishes that his banished be not expelled from him. You know, banished, that's a terrible word, banished. Banished are the, is what you can write over the top of, of, of Matthew 7.23, Matthew 7.23. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You are banished. 
or, or Matthew 25, 41, Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed it into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and the angels. You are banished. Depart from me. That's a terrible thing. That's a thing. You could just you say hell is the place for the banished, the banished, the banished from the presence of God. But the good news is, the great news is, 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The great news is, 1 Timothy 2, 4, 1 Timothy 2, 4, that God will have all men to be saved. And that's why 2 Samuel 14, 14 is so great when it says he devised means that his banished be not expelled from him, you mix those two together. You mix that verse of 2 Samuel 14, 14, along with the 2 Peter 3, 9, and it could come out something like this. The Lord is not willing that any should be banished and expelled from him. You could mix those two together, the 2 Samuel 14, 14, the 1 Timothy 2, 4, It'll come out like this. First Timothy 2.4 would come out like this. God will have all men to be in his presence and not be banished. And then the Lord says, I am poured out like water. This is how he is described in Isaiah 53.12. Isaiah 53.12, it says that, uh, that uh, he hath poured out his soul unto death. He poured out his soul unto death. He said, I am poured out like water in Psalm 22:14 in Isaiah 53:12 he poured himself out he hath poured out his soul unto death and so it emphasizes that he voluntarily did that that was his choice and then he speaks in verse 14 all my bones are out of joint he speaks about all his bones like he can feel all his bones that they're out of joint there's such an intense intense pain and this was the, 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 he stretched out there on the cross. You can see the outline of his bones through, through whatever skin and tissue he has left there. And, he, and he's describing his bones as being out of joint. It's like being on a rack, the torture. And we can imagine the pain, the very interesting word here for a Hebrew word, I'll tell you, that he used. You know, this the, the this afternoon I made chicken soup. Okay, that's what you do. I made chicken soup. And, you know, I got the chicken. You know, you make chicken soup. Yeah, you make you get the chicken, and you know, you you got to kind of separate the parts. Nine parts, right? Two legs, two two legs, two thighs, two breasts, two two wings, and one back. Anyway, so you got to separate them out there. You know, so you you kind of run your 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 fingers down to that joint. You know, you don't want to break the bone. You don't want bone shards in your soup, right? You're going to get your fingers down to that bone, and you bend it back, and then all of a sudden you get that pop. You, you know what I'm talking You think I'm crazy, don't you? No. no. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's that snap. It's that pop. That's how you do with the chicken. That's what parad means. Parad means that when you take uh, uh, the bones at the joint without breaking them, because not one of his bones were broken, and you bend them to a point where they pop and they snap out. That's the word he used, parad. When you separate a chicken thigh from the chicken leg, parad, you just find that right joint right there. You separate that, pop. This was the intention of the Romans 
was to accomplish this. So they dig a big hole for the socket for the cross. The cross is very heavy. The two pieces of the wood are very, very heavy. The person is nailed to the cross so that when they drop the cross in, this tremendous weight of this wood falling down into the socket with a big thug. And so the person who's on the cross, having no support, then experiences this parade, and the bones come out of joint. And that's probably what's meant here, what happened, but also... Also, we need to keep in mind, what keeps joints in place? Connective tissue, ligaments. And the ligaments and the connective tissue, they are functioning like our body is 60% water. They are functioning by water. The blood supply, well, he's losing water. He's losing, he's bleeding to death. He is perspiring. It's hot. He's losing losing water. As a matter of fact, that's the reason for his death, dehydration, his death by dehydration. That means his ligaments are also becoming dehydrated, and they're losing their holding ability, the ability of them to hold the bones into the joint. They're losing that. So he says, all my bones are out of joint. And then he speaks about my heart. He says in verse 14, my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. So he's he's comparing his heart to wax. Wax that's under an intense heat source, and it melts. I mean, this is pretty frightening to read. This is pretty frightening to consider here that the Lord is saying, my heart is like wax melted in the midst of my bowels. It's frightening when you consider who that was on the cross. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's the Lord strong and mighty, strong and mighty in battle. That's him. And the heat of God's wrath and God's judgment has melted his heart. Is there anyone who could endure, who could hold up under the judgment of God? He couldn't. So he says, my heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. And then he's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting. He's fighting for his strength. He's so brave out there, but his strength is running out, and he no longer has any more strength. And so he says in verse 15, verse 15, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, like a piece of broken pottery. We can only imagine that maybe around the cross there, maybe there were some broken pieces of pottery. And so he's on the cross, and he's looking, and he said, that's like my strength right there. I'm like that broken piece of pottery. He's thinking about when the clay was first formed into a pot. It's wet clay. It's put into a fire kiln where all the water is drawn out of it. And he sees his strength like that, all dried up. And now there's this piece of pot maybe lying in the dirt there. Just like Job, when he was covered with the boils in Job 2.8. Job 2.8, where it says he took him a potsherd and just scraped himself. It's his strength. It's all dried up. He waged this brave and courageous battle, but finally he's come to a place where his strength is dried up. He's utterly exhausted. His courage is dried up. He's in a state of utter discouragement. And yet we see this this, this sterling determination of the Lord as he's taking the position of even in the state of exhaustion, in a state of discouragement, he's fighting on. Just like Job said in Job 13, 15, Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Yet will I trust in him. The pottery, he says, I want that next time we have communion, that every one of us holds a piece of broken pottery. 
Just to remember this point when he was on the cross when he said, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. And he says, but his strength is gone, but he still holds to God in Psalm, in verse 19, verse 19. His strength is gone, is dried up like a potsherd, but he says, be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. So he calls God his strength. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.